the more we ignore those traumas, the more we ignore the fact that those emotions are controlling us, the more that we're destroying our health in the long run. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire creative thought, enhance your artistic process, and excavate enriched understandings about art, culture, and yourself. I'm your host, Emma Kivetna, an alternative writing teacher, artist, entrepreneur, and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello and welcome to Wild Creative. I hope you're having as good a November as I have been so far. I just finished teaching the second to last workshop here in my town. It was the best one so far and it had the highest turnout so far. There was 10 people there, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for a small room and a library, it was it was a full house and we had such a good discussion during the workshop. It was all about figuring out what book you're meant to be writing. And so many people had lots to say about their stories and what they're struggling with. And the exercises we did seemed to really resonate with people. So we we took up the full two hours and I just felt so validated after as as a teacher, I guess. And it makes me excited to offer more unconventional writing classes in the future, both online and in person. So that's something you can watch out for in the new year for sure. And not to mention things around here in town are just starting to get Christmassy, which is always such a nice time of the year. I just went to a festival market last week and there were so many good smells there. Somebody was selling leather made goods and it just smelt like horses all around, which being a horsey person myself and having ridden since I was a kid, it was just such a welcoming scent to have. And then, of course, there was hot chocolate and bread and somebody was selling soap that smelled like, basically smelled like Christmas in a soap bar. It was awesome. I actually bought one. So I'm really excited for the Christmas season and things have just been going really smoothly lately. And I gotta say, this latest discussion with this particular guest was one of the best ones yet, I think mainly because we just touched on so many different things throughout the talk and it was really interesting. I learned I learned a lot for sure. So I hope that you enjoy this as much as I did. However, I do have to mention that my audio recording in this interview sucks. <laughs> the quality of it that is. It I, I bought new headphones, just, you know, the earbud kind that have a wire that attach into your computer and they have a mic on it. That those are what I was using for past episodes and it, there was some scratchiness in it. So I thought I'll just get a new pair of headphones. I need some anyway. And then there'll be zero scratchiness. And it turns out they are actually worse than the old headphones. So I have no idea how that's possible. But And I didn't realize, of course, until after we were done recording how crappy my audio sounds. So I tried to get rid of the scratchiness as much as I could. And it's certainly better than what it was, but it's not 100%. So... Thankfully, though, my guest, she speaks at least three times as much as I do in this episode because she was giving really great in-depth answers. So, you know, luckily you don't have to hear me talk as much, but when I do talk, it sounds not great. So I am working on fixing that for the next episode. I think I'm going to return the headphones and maybe get wireless ones or Bluetooth ones. I don't know. I've been kind of resisting getting Bluetooth wireless headphones because I'm just afraid I'm going to lose them or that they're going to get lost somehow. But maybe that's just the way to go. And I'm holding out on buying a proper recording mic for now because I just don't have that ability to invest in that right now. And what I use to record these solo talks is I actually just use my iPhone and I have a pop filter from when I used to have a mic a long time ago. And I hold that in front of my phone and I hold it fairly close to my mouth and this is the quality that I get from it, which is great. But when I'm talking to someone else on Zoom, I have to use headphones so that we don't pick up each other's audio and it's easier to edit later. But anyway, so sorry about that. Um, hopefully it doesn't bother you too much. Like I said, I don't talk as much, nearly as much as the guest does. 
So, and her, and her audio, of course, was great. Anyways, so be, be forewarned about that. Uh, but I do hope you'll stick through it and listen to the whole episode because this guest is super interesting and she was so delightful to talk to. My guest today is Mayuri Ram Kalawan. Mayuri, more commonly known as Holistic Maymay online, is a printmaker turned holistic health coach. She empowers women who are tired of their unhealthy relationships with food by shifting behaviors that will naturally heal disease and slow down the onset of age-related illnesses. She runs a six-week program that allows you to slowly navigate out of a sugar addiction. This program is called The Sugar Crash. She also offers one-on-one coaching with women who are ready for that massive shift. Having been an entrepreneur in the art world and now the healing world, she has a passion for being a multi-passionate entrepreneur and has started unleashing the inner entrepreneur in all her clients. Today, we talked about various things from printmaking to following your callings in life. And we talked about what the connection is between trauma and emotions and your eating habits. We also talked about sugar and how addictive it is. And she explained a little bit about what happens in the brain when we eat sugar. And we also talked about self-love and she gave some tips for that. And it was just a really great little talk. It was it was a really holistic talk, actually. So I do hope you enjoy. Mayuri joined me on Zoom from her home in Johannesburg. All right. Hello, Mayuri. Welcome to Wild Creative. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I'm so excited about our talk, just based on our quick intro when we first met a few weeks ago. Um, I want to start off right away asking you about printmaking. Um, Your previous career as a printmaker, and what exactly does that involve? Because I don't really honestly know much about printmaking. Um, And where did you work and that sort of thing? Cool. Sure. So I actually studied um, a degree in fine arts, and so I majored in printmaking, which is like your etching, lino cuts, wood cuts, screen printing, um, all of those kind of things. It's, I think I just felt like I belonged there. It was um, it's such a peaceful um, medium. I think it's not as intense as say. I mean, my other major was sculpture, and I, it was a nice balance between the two. I guess you know, like one was kind of like quiet in the studio and the other one everyone had their music blasting and you know it was yeah you know it's a very intense sort of practice but I I really took to to printmaking and so uh kind of found my yeah my my space there and etching and um yeah your woodcuts kind of became my 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 thing to do and then kind of got involved in screen printing as well and found myself in, I I can't even remember the details of it, but it was this project that's actually one of my lecturers that just put my name down without even asking me. And like, I think two months later, somebody called and said, hey, you've been chosen for this thing. And I didn't really know what it was or the part. (laughs) And (laughs) went and they they basically wanted us to to screen print um, and come up with a product. Um, So to help, I guess, artists see that it's not just art that you can create but you can actually you know sort of do something else with it to bring in a different source of income and you know just sort of bring a business aspect into it and I I, I really really loved it and um, created a whole range of products and so I started my own business through that um, once I'd you know qualified and got my degree and um, I ran that business for about seven or eight years um, and that became more your home decor stuff um, you know, all the textile kind of things and then still dabbled a little bit in artwork and yeah, hope that explains. <laughs> that definitely explains things. I'm totally an, an, a newbie when it comes to like printmaking. I hardly meet people who do it um, or work yeah. in textiles. It's more like visual arts, I feel like is co- more okay. common, okay. but um, yeah, at least where I'm, where I live. But <laughs> um, so how did you get into printmaking then? I assume you did other you were like you have other art interests as well yeah sure I mean yeah I from from a visual art perspective or do you mean just well like what drew you me towards yeah like what drew you to it yeah yeah I think the quietness of it um you know it, it was almost a when I would get my tools and then sit with my my 
whether it was a copper plate or whether it was a you know a postbox board or, or whatever it is it was just so quiet and I loved sort of the the meditation like I always used to say tedious things make me happy because I I, <laughs> I would you know just sit there and, and, and be drawing very very quietly and I, I, I love these intricate sort of pieces and um I think emotionally myself it's I I was very overwhelmed all of the time and um I found this as a way to kind of you know work through that and a day of being in the printmaking studio and having my hands on this board um and focusing on those those intricate designs that I would do um I, I just felt so much more peaceful and I you know able to sleep better able to handle the stressful times better and I guess yeah I guess I never really thought about it too much now like uh, until now but um but I guess that that is what what held me in that space of printmaking because of that um, almost meditation aspect to what I was doing and the kind of designs that I did, the kind of art that I did. Um, some of my works were <laughs> were pretty intense from the message. I guess I I, I tend to find I, I used to find myself a lot in sort of the political side of things when it came to art, um, but always in a pretty way. Um, <laughs> my, my prints were always very pretty. Um, so even though the, the message was harsh, um, I liked my images to be quite pretty. And that was because of the detail and, mm -hmm. and yeah, just kind of allowing me to get my, my energy and my yeah. sense of overwhelm and anxiety, which I guess I didn't quite understand that that's what it was back then to get that sort of energy out onto, onto right. my artwork. It's so yeah. interesting how art is, it really is a, a container for us to kind of exist in outside of all the noise and the fast pacedness yeah. of life and even our own noise, like you said, like our anxieties and our thoughts and all the things that we have to deal with within ourselves all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, but now I'm curious about the more political side of your art. <laughs> can you give any oh, Can you give any examples or like what sorts of things at that time were you really like passionate about when with your art? So I guess this would have been 2007, 2008, around there, where um, I was in the you know the big part of my my printmaking you know, uh, time frame. And um, I think it was in a time of dictatorship that the world was going through. Uh, and a, a lot of Africa, I guess, was going through a lot of dictatorship at that point. And um, I mean, I can't, I, I, I probably wouldn't be able to give you ex my exact headspace at that time, but I was very influenced um, by it. And in high school, I was obsessed with all of the world wars. I have no idea why. Um, but I was obsessed with all of the world wars and wanting to kind of understand it, I guess, more than anything else and understand why those actions were, you know, followed through on by these by these human beings. We're all human. We all have the same setup and makeup when we're born. And how is it that their brain took them that way and our brains took us this way, you know? And I guess that kind of fascinated me. And I made a compilation. The one that, that comes forward to me now is I made a compilation of the top 10 dictators of that time period and, um, you know, put together their... I think it was like the top three or five, you know, uh, major trustees that, and, and, you know, terrible things that they kind of did. And um, I, I drew their faces with my sort of Eastern feel to it. So, you know, like your, your, your intricate patterns. Um, so I, I made like a silhouette of their faces with that because it was always their pictures that were plastered, you know, if you, if you think of like an Afri old African city and, right. you know, uh, I can't think of anybody right now, but Idi Amin, for instance, you know, if you, if you look at those old, think of those old pictures of Idi Amin, how he had that, you know, sort of posture. And I took that exact same posture, but with this beautiful image. And then um, kind of just, you know, almost like with a black marker, that kind of font um, labeling all of the things that they did. Um, and then literally printing one clean so one really clean image of that um, as a as a etching, um, and then taking that board and literally just almost like skateboarding on it down the paving, um, and then adding more texture to it and printing that. So kind of like ruining, you know, what they think of themselves and what we actually think of them. 
um, and, and kind of having that kind of contrast and, and energy and me being able to take this beautiful thing and then just completely ruin it and, um, you know, take, yeah, like strong sandpaper to it and really sort of go over that beautiful etching of them and then actually print that. Um, so cool. So, yeah, that, and then I did all 10 of those. Um, yeah, I think I have it somewhere, like the original prints. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's like... yeah ruining the image like as you said of what the, the perception oh, of what they yeah 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 and they and the immediate followers yeah right it's like revealing the, the kind of the truth of what's really going on there yeah so how do how do you feel now about the world and um in terms of <laughs> are you still kind of like political with your art when you're doing things today are you are you less thinking about it no or? yeah I don't see myself there anymore um it kind of consumed me to be honest um you know if, if you look at your phone I had every news app on my phone I was reading everything that was going on all of the time and it consumed me and my favorite channel was Sky News and CNN and, and you know like it, it really did consume me and it, it added to my anxiety added to my sleepless nights um, sometimes I would get so overwhelmed that just I, I couldn't see the point. Like, what is the point of this life if this is what we're seeing and experiencing all of the time? And so I actually had to go through quite a process of removing myself from seeing all of that stuff. Um, so not in a you know ignorance is bliss kind of way, but actually just to save myself and my like energy a health way. And, in a health way and to actually find joy in my life again because I was not allowing space for that all I was seeing was this death and destruction and negativity and harshness of, of life and poverty and you know there, there really is only so much that we can do so we do our best in you know donating and volunteering and helping and, and you know all of that um, and educating ourselves but the more I was surrounding myself by that information, the more depressed I was getting and the less sort of purpose I was finding in my life because everything just seemed so overwhelming and so much bigger than what I was trying to do and the little volunteer work that I was doing. And, you know, it just didn't, like you'd see the difference you made in that individual's life, but on a larger scale, what am I really doing? And right. yeah, so I had to kind of step away from that a bit and just breathe yeah <laughs> um and so that you know um I guess from a creative side now it's a lot more peaceful it's a lot more calm it's a lot more joyful not to sound cliched or corny but <laughs> that really is kind of yeah where I'm finding yeah. myself it's interesting yeah. how being a consumer can consume you and because yeah. I've felt that way too about certain things and then you and and you think like I could use my art as a vehicle to to do something about yeah. this but then that's like a lot of pressure on yourself to like change exactly. the world or whatever it is you think you're you're gonna do and it actually like hinders your creativity more or it, it can it can at least in my in my um, experience yeah but, and your personal growth um, yeah you know because you're so stuck in trying to make that huge impact and do something amazing that you don't take any small steps Mm -hmm. yeah or or yeah. take steps for yourself it's it's all about yeah. what can i do in the in that yes. in the world yeah um that being said if you hadn't had your outlet as an art you know to to do the things you did get to do at that time probably would have been worse uh, or it would have gotten worse maybe because it would have been stuck inside yeah 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 i needed to explore it yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so your process today is more joyful, you were saying, and more easy. Um, so I am curious, like, what, what is your artistic process? Do you kind of have a routine or a practice or something? I think I'm still finding it. I think I'm still finding it. Um, I've been through it in, through a journey over the past, you know, 10, 10 years um, and slowly finding my way back towards art again. Um, so I am, I am trying to find a kind of routine um, I've always had a, a studio set up in my home uh, ever since I had, you know, my own place kind of thing. Um, and we've just recently, well, not recently, it's almost a year. The end of next month will be a year that we've moved house. But I'm sure you know what it's like when you move house. It's chaotic and, you know, it, it takes a while to find a rhythm and a space and a vibe, you know. Um, so I kind of know how I want to do it I guess I just haven't figured it out yet so I've been using a friend's studio um, for the past year or so 
And that's been kind of nice, like just getting out and um, communicating with him and sharing with him. And we, we get along really well and our style is very similar. And so I guess we kind of feed off each other. And I am, I think I am a social being. I, as much as I love that, that, you know, meditation aspect to my work, I like that energy of having somebody in my space when it comes to creating mm-hmm. um, and somebody to sort of, I don't know, what do you, what do you say hype you up a little bit. Yeah. That, that print when you're lifting that first print or, um, you know, helping you check that you've inked up the, the plate properly. Uh, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the technical stuff, it's always nice to have somebody there. And I love the technical side of it. So, so yeah, I think recently all I've been doing is, um, reprinting old works and and trying to see if I can clean them up a little bit or um to, to help me get back into the process instead of that pressure that you know that blank canvas syndrome um that can be so big for me and then I just don't do anything uh, so I thought you know pulling out some of my old works and, and cleaning them up a bit and re-inking them and seeing what they look like and how I can um, actually started cutting up one of my boards recently um, one of my old prints cutting it up and seeing if I could do little prints of it and see how that kind of works for me and how I feel about that so it's I think my process at the moment is very experimental and I like that because I used to be a very structured person. Mm-hmm. And so I like this new energy of just just experimenting and not holding, you know, when we create something, we're so, um, and I'm generalizing here, obviously, but so um, protective over it, right? Yes. Like, it's your baby. Damaged. It's your baby. Yeah. And I think the, the fact that I'm willing to cut it up and, and willing to cut up the paper as well um, and use different parts and see how I can turn this into something else is quite freeing and, and and quite releasing of whatever energy that artwork may still hold. And um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what the next year will kind of bring from that side of things. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do relate to that as well. With It sounds like me as a writer, the blank page, it's really daunting. <laughs> but then looking at some of my stuff I have written at like ages ago and thinking, well, maybe I'll just work on that because it's already, it yeah. already exists and I could edit that easier than I could write today from scratch so um it sounds yeah. like you're kind of in a phase as you said experimental but like also a, like a recycling stage almost where you're looking at what you've already made and reusing it or repurposing it um, yeah. recreating with it and yeah are you finding any kind of new meaning out of the things that you've created all those years ago and looking at them again or is it just a means to an end <laughs> i wouldn't say a means to an end but i guess maybe i haven't found any like deeper meaning as such but there is a lot of I want to say pride but I don't know if it's the right word in the fact that I can pull out these old things and do something with them you know that I did create something amazing and I can actually turn it into something else amazing without having to start from scratch yeah it's like oh yeah I made that exactly that that kind of feeling and I think you know I struggle a lot with anxiety so I think with that kind of energy, it's really nice to find something that you have that sense of pride and achievement and love towards um, when it comes to something that you yourself have created. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, I, th- I, def- I think so. Yeah. And yeah, for me as a writer too, sometimes I find old things that I've written and, you know, not every idea is a good idea. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> so you don't, you don't, and yeah, it is like that thing you were saying earlier about, oh, it's your baby and you have to, this like self-preservation thing. It's, Sometimes that's not needed. <laughs> sometimes it's, it wasn't a good idea. Sometimes you'd wrote something that's really bad or, or, you know, you know, just constructed in a, you know, not a very good way or whatever craft wise, because that's what you were at that time. So it's interesting to look at old things and realize like, Oh, that actually is kind of good. Like I could use that today. And so, yeah, I get what you mean. The pride thing. It's, it's, I, it, yeah. maybe it's not quite the right word, as you said, but I, I get the feeling that you're. Yeah. talking about the sense yeah. of achievement yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. but yeah. so at some point um you made a shift away from the printmaking and as a business at least and in more into nutritional health so what prompted that so i was in the the throes of the business side of um, creative world and my you know screen printing business um and both my parents felt ill around the same period Um, so within the same year basically uh, my dad was diagnosed with dementia and my mom soon after 
had to have a stent put in um, because of a blockage, you know, going towards her heart. And that then just triggered a whole lot of stuff for her. So she then, you know, landed up with pneumonia. And then the, the, the scans uh, for when she was, you know, admitted for pneumonia showed that her lungs had actually been scarred over the years. And they couldn't quite understand that. And she thought that the struggling of the breathing was her heart because of that blockage, but it turned out that it was actually her lungs. Um, and she was then diagnosed with a marriage of two, um, they call it a marriage, it's so funny, but uh, a marriage of two autoimmune diseases, so scleroderma and lupus. And then she was shortly then after diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. So three autoimmune diseases plus, plus heart disease and my dad's uh, dementia forced me to make some shifts, I guess, in, you know, my flexibility and needing to actually kind of be there for them and take care of them a little bit. Um, so I did take some time off, but I kept the businesses running. And then unfortunately, in 2016, my dad had a stroke which was really bad. And he lost 85% of his um, cognitive uh, functioning. And with my mom's issues, it was just really stressful. And so I landed up closing my two retail stores and kept tried to keep my studio running, but it was just too much with everything. And um, I think with all of that happening in such a short period of time, I one, got overwhelmed, and two, was just utterly confused. Yeah, like I, you know, I this came I this came out of nowhere, right? This was like exactly, yeah. yeah. My parents are fit, healthy individuals. We we grew up vegetarian. My dad was that guy, that old guy in the gym that is, you know, doing more push ups than the twenty five year old, right. and kind of looking at him and going, "Hey, man, what's your problem?" Like, work harder, kind of thing. He was, you know, he was that annoying old guy, and you know, my mom would walk all the time. She she was a very active. Um, intel is a very active intelligent human being and you know my dad as well so it just didn't make sense to me for what we understood what I understood as health at that point was what we were living and you know we were not overweight individuals we were active we ate vegetables we, we did all the things so it really just consumed me again and I guess that's the nature of life like when we don't understand something, or especially for me, when I don't understand something, I allow it to consume me. And so my my creative side kind of just fell to the ground because my focus wasn't there. And I found my focus just going into this Dr. Google kind of wormhole, trying to make sense of everything that had happened. Um, so I was lucky enough, at least I, you know, could take some time off from work and close my business for some time and just kind of help my parents um, gather themselves and figure out a way forward um, and so they lived 600 kilometers away from me uh, I don't know that in miles um, but <laughs> we're kilometers so we... here in Canada too so. oh oh okay good yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah they were they were living 600 kilometers away from me so we basically packed up their house sold their house and the way the universe works and I'm a very you know child of the universe um, my neighbor decided to sell her house and so we we basically sold my parents house and bought that house and moved them up right next door to me and that was really handy <laughs> so that I could be you know close to them and help understand what was going on in their life and in seeing what was happening to them and in seeing and reading and reading and reading and just researching in every avenue that I could to try and figure out one how this happened and two how to navigate forward um, especially for my mom because my mom still had she still had her cognition she still had the ability to walk and, and do things um, she was losing it though you know we bought a wheelchair for my dad after the stroke and my mom was using it so it was really just confusing with everything that was going on um, and so I, I did like a short course on nutrition and just learning about these things and uh, I didn't learn enough so I kind of just started delving in some more and then I found um, the school that I did land up studying at and um, I studied integrative nutrition and without the sort of need to actually become a health coach it was just to learn and to figure out how I can help my parents and how I can help myself and my husband to not land up in their position when we're 60 right right um, because we were doing the same things that my parents did like we were healthy we were active we ate well so I couldn't quite understand like I needed to know that I was going to prevent this at, at, all, at all costs 
And when I went and I studied uh, integrative nutrition, my mental health just started to shift. And it was the strangest thing because I never kind of acknowledged the mental health side of stuff to food and to our physical health. It was always, that was separate. My anxiety, my depression, that was separate to my, my future health, you know, my future physical health or, you know, my future brain health. And just, just understanding that and actually learning how to heal um, from anxiety and, and, and manage my anxiety, manage my depression better. I felt my whole life kind of changing. And I even remember, like my husband even said to me, even if you don't do anything with this course that you've studied, it's changed you for the better. And that's all that matters. It sounds like it was a wake up call, not just for your parents, but you, because you hadn't studied, you didn't know anything about nutrition before this, right? You didn't like go to school for it or you had no interest in it, really. This was just a total shift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mom was always very interested in nutrition. And so we had lots of healthy books, you know, food books right. in the house and, and, you know, understanding herbs and things like that. So, but you know, it is when you're a kid, mom's always crazy and, you know, trying all these things and <laughs> you kind of page through the book and you're like, oh, yeah. crazy mom, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, you don't quite absorb it in the, in the sense that you want to as an adult. So, yeah. And, and I think I just, I, it, it almost felt like a calling in a sense, but also felt like I needed to understand this. To, to help myself and to help my family and to help, you know, if I ever decided, if I had kids and, um, you know, I think I wanted to be able to know that we were doing the best that we could to prevent getting dementia, to prevent having all of these millions of diseases and spending all of our savings on medication. Um, I needed to know that I was doing everything possible. And so that course really changed my life. And I decided to try and make it a career while I could. Um, and if it didn't work, then I would, you know, get back into the creative side. And, I, you know, I guess the creative side will always be with us as artists. And I thought I realized that it will, it'll find, I'll find my way back to it when I'm ready. So do you, you kind of touched on it a little where you said that you felt this calling um, t- towards it. So I'm just curious, like, do you think that there's kind of a reason for everything? Like when things happen, like, do you feel this was, yeah, like a, you were called to do it? Like there's a deeper, there was something deeper behind it for you or it just did it. Like if my question is, did it fall into place for you when you started doing it? Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Um, you know, it's a loaded question and, and that's kind of why, like I sat back, but it's, it's a very loaded question um, because I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all about whether you, what you believe in, um, in the sense of, you know, the universe and being, being placed in certain, you know, t- phases of your life at the right time, right? but you've got to be open to it. Um, and I think because I began, yeah, I think because I was open to it, um, there was a reason and, and I felt that calling, I felt the need to take that road and, and give up what I was doing. I honestly love what I do right now. And I think 15 years ago, if you asked me if I loved what I did then, I, I said yes. You know, 10 years ago, I said as well, I'd like, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else but printmaking, but screen printing, having my hands in ink and not owning a pair of jeans that I could actually wear to a formal event because it all had ink on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. that, that was who I was and I loved it. And with that same amount of love, I can say I love what I do now and I think it's a beautiful thing because I don't think we are born to just do one thing or be one thing or you know create one thing um we're here to explore and we're here to follow our callings and we're here to follow wherever life is going to take us and it's about how open we are to those 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 callings if I can say so yeah yeah Yeah, because it can be a beautiful thing when you embrace those because you can be you can be receiving that information, those signs or those callings from the yeah. universe or whatever it is you believe in and still say no or ignore them or not be open enough to realize what's coming through. Yeah. And yeah. and then you miss out on something that possibly could be amazing. So, and, exactly. and now you work with all sorts of women and is it just women or do you do men as well? Or um, I used to work with both. <laughs> yeah. I found myself, um, just finding it easier to work with women um, because obviously they relate easier to me. Um, I relate to them a lot easier and it's not so much a fight. I think 
um, men have a different wiring and they have a different way of, of understanding life and, and choices. And I'm not the person <laughs> to, to, to navigate them through that. So, so yeah. So let's get a little bit into the meat then of what it is you really do with your clients because it's, because it's so interesting. And, um, I know that last time we talked, we talked a little bit about how like emotions play in a big role in our health and our, and obviously eating properly, um, and trauma as well, which you mentioned and how trauma can be released when you are, when you release your emotions and you eat healthy, healthily. So like, what's the connection there between trauma and food and stress and emotions i'm sure that's a loaded question too but (laughs) (laughs) i love it though i love it um so i guess the the connections from where i'm coming from and from what my experience and from what i actually the journey that i actually went on when i went and i studied and then you know after was while you're in the throes of everything right so when we experience trauma sometimes we don't even recognize that we're experiencing trauma because a lot of the time trauma is perceived or told to us that it is something physical. Um, someone that was beaten, somebody that was abused, someone that was in a car accident, someone that was shot, someone that was, do you know what I mean? Something yeah. physical. And we don't often associate trauma with the emotional side, you know? Um, someone who was maybe ignored for like the first five years of their lives or from age five to 10, where the parent was just absorbed with their job or just absorbed with whatever trauma they were experiencing. And, you know, that sense of neglect can cause trauma and how that child then found um, comfort is how that child is going to find comfort throughout their lives because that trauma sits with you forever until you heal and forgive and accept through whatever it is that you experienced um and if it is something that happens when you're between three and seven years old you're not really going to have a full awareness of what it did to you or memory you might have memories here and there but we have this ability to be resilient and we have this ability to step out of it and it only hits us then later on in life when we're 100 kgs overweight and don't know how to get you know a grip on you know we do a diet and then we find ourselves back in that same position a year later and it's because we're not getting to the crux of it we're not getting to the the base of that trauma and that that is causing us to either binge eat or emotionally eat or starve ourselves and that is where I find myself really being able to successfully help people because for me that was my big thing and I still find myself in and out of it because it's a it's a lifelong journey right because there's so many things that come out of the woodworks that the more you heal and so many things that you've got to forgive through and so many things that bring on triggers and you're like, okay, where's that coming from? Like I healed myself, you know, I shouldn't <laughs> be affected by this. This shouldn't be triggering me. Yeah. And then you've got to go through the whole journey all over again. And I, you know, I find a lot of people getting frustrated when they think they've healed or you've done a diet or you've done a, a process of some sort and you've lost 10 kgs for instance or 50 kgs and then you find yourself being triggering and craving the things that you used to crave or maybe drinking a little bit more than you know you used to drink um, and getting frustrated like this is a never-ending cycle um, and this is the kind of space that I find is is a really beautiful space and that I really love because when we can sort of surrender to the fact that this is a lifelong journey and that the trauma is the thing that triggers the emotion to make us choose the things that are bad for us or choose the things that are not serving our our health in the long run you know to specifically answer your question it you know it's it's that it's that understanding that they are all linked together and that we we're emotionally eating because we're not dealing with where the trauma comes from where those emotions come from the fact you know there's somebody in my life that loves to say I'm eating my feelings this weekend because I just can't deal, you know? And the more I know I hear him say that, the more it makes me understand more that the more we ignore those traumas, the more we ignore the fact that those emotions are controlling us, the more that we're destroying our health in the long run. And one day when you're 75 and all of that damage has done its damage and you haven't taken the time to 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 act on it, um, you're going to be sitting with a bill that you cannot afford and 
you're going to be in and out of doctor's rooms because they're going to be keeping you alive. And it's really going to be a very traumatic experience. And we know now we're seeing it. And, and you know, there's so much research showing us that we can prevent those diagnoses by making certain lifestyle choices. So I know you asked about the food and the relation to food, but it's not just the food. And I think that is my whole understanding of this and my whole turning point was that it's not just about food. It's not just about running every day. It's about a holistic, healthy life and dealing with past traumas, understanding that even if you think you don't have trauma, you do have trauma. It is hidden inside of you. Everybody has it because it doesn't matter how perfect your life is, something, it's it's all relative, right? Like it's all, it's your individual perception. And if you're not going to heal and forgive through those experiences, they're going to make you make bad choices as you go forward. And even if it's just being blank, so not having that awareness because it's too difficult to even acknowledge emotions. So you might not be overeating or binge eating or anything, but being having that lack of awareness means that your your emotions are not being processed yeah and so you're probably not sleeping properly and when we don't sleep properly our body doesn't recover properly and it's just becomes this cycle um of, of bad choices for you so I hope I explained that correctly but it is it is so much um that is involved in it and I think that's where my passion lies in in getting individuals in you know women to really understand that it's so important to acknowledge your emotions. It's so important to heal from any kind of emotional trauma um, so that you can better your your future. Yeah, yeah if, if not for yourself today, then for future you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of the, it, so, it sounds like like bad lifestyle choices and bad eating habits. It's almost like we're compensating for something else that we're choosing to ignore or choosing to yeah. bury or whatever the issue is. But what it sounds like you're saying is that we don't have to be that victim. And you may, some people no. may not even realize they're being a victim, as you said, with the self-awareness and um, yeah. they may not realize they're having those damaging habits because they think they're normal yeah. or like, oh, that's just everyday stress or whatever. It's like, well, exactly. you shouldn't yeah. be in a sustained state of everyday stress. Like that's not normal. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so. I think the levels of, of, of chronic stress is, I mean, the, the stats of chronic stress that's out there is, is, I mean, nine out of 10 people are sitting in chronic stress. And, you know, that is just not allowing your body to function properly. Because you're in that survival mode of flight. Yeah. Um, fight Fight or freeze all the time yeah Yeah, all the time and yeah and we don't need to be in that anymore because there aren't those direct threats to our physical body or or, our emotional self all the time like maybe they were back thousands of years ago when you had to run away from the wolf or (laughs) the the big woolly mammoth even then that's where it came in handy but even then you had moments of peace when you were in your little to your cave or whatever it is yeah yeah or in your community and you had the fires around you to protect you from wild animals. you weren't running all the time yeah you weren't running all the time and so you had that sense of calm um and to step out of that stress and at the moment we're just not stepping out of that stress and i think you know when when you spoke about politics and news and all of that earlier that was where i was sitting in chronic stress because you'd be stressed at school, you'd be stressed at home, and then you're reading the news and you're still stressed and you read it before you go to bed and you're still stressed and you're not going to fall into a deep sleep because your body is like, uh, something bad's going to happen. I need to be aware. Um, and so, so yeah. Right. It's like the, the modern day version of running all the time from the, the big bad wolf or whatever is busying ourselves with things or consuming, overly consuming, or, or, or sometimes taking inaction not doing anything like shutting down that can be there's so many ways of (laughs) modern day running in the wild (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so in your bio you mentioned that there's a shift you work with people who want to shift behaviors especially with behaviors that could naturally heal disease or naturally slow down age-related illnesses I'm just wondering like what are some examples of those behaviors like what do you see your 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 clients doing the most or what's the most common behavior that you 
interact with people or well well the one is i guess awareness so bringing um bringing an individual into that present moment um being aware of what they're feeling being aware of the choices that they're making uh you know oftentimes when i when i first start with a client they can't even tell me if they eat breakfast every day um because they don't eat, they're not conscious of it they wake up they drink a cup of coffee and the, the day just starts right you maybe grab a snack a, a biscuit here or you know if it's a good day you might have a bowl of oats or um you know something like that or they, they can't tell me how many cups of coffee they had in the day because it's happening so unconsciously um especially if you're in an office environment and there's a coffee machine there and you're typing typing away and you get up and you go get a grab a cup and you drink it and before you i mean you've i'm sure you've done it i've done it all the time where the mug was on the table and I was so sure that mug was full or at least halfway. And then I pick it up and I look and it's empty and dry inside. It's like, oh, I must have finished that ages ago. But that, <laughs> right. that, that lack of awareness um, is, I guess, the first behavior that uh, I start to, to correct, to, to shift. Um, because we're, we're so busy, like you say, all the time, uh, that, that sense of awareness, that sense of presence is just not there. And to bring that sense of awareness in um, is almost like the um, the trigger for all the other good habits to come your way because right. you start noticing the things that are not serving you. You start noticing um, the things that you're doing that, why why am I doing this actually? Um, do I actually need this? You know, why did that person say that to me? And then you speak up because you're actually taking note of maybe some verbal abuse or maybe some, you know, emotional kind of triggering that's happening instead of just shutting down from eating caravan or eating the donut because your boss shouted at you or, you know, um, that, that that sense of awareness is, is probably the first thing that I, that I start to shift. Other than that is one of the main things and why I love working with women is because it's the, you know, the thing that we hear so often, the self-love thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's such a difficult topic to embrace because it kind of seems very cliched, very corny. Um, oh yeah, okay, I gotta go love myself and have a boss. Um, I relate to that know, too. But... It's corny. <laughs> I don't how, how do you do it? Must yeah. I take a twenty-minute Epsom salt bath with lavender every day? I can't do that. Yes, that's gonna help you like have a bit of compassion and time for yourself, but that's not the essence of self-love, right? That you know, the essence of self-love is kindness to yourself. It's compassion towards yourself. It's learning to to see how you're being treated and how to stand up for yourself. And the thing that then is triggered there is self-esteem and confidence. And the the behavior that comes up so 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 often, especially with women in their thirties, is is the self-hatred, the self-loathing. And, you know, it could be for many reasons, and I, I, I mean, I won't get into that, but when we can start to have more compassion for ourselves and we can have, start to have more kindness towards ourselves, that self-loathing and that self-hatred starts to fall away a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And we're able to then look in the mirror and actually see somebody that we care for, somebody that we admire, somebody that we, we love, and that is self-love. That, that confidence in who you are, that confidence in, in the things that you're doing every single day and that, that sense of pride in the things that you're doing, what you wear, what you look like, what you feel like. Um, and, and a lot of it, you know, the, the, the negative behaviors that we act out on stem from that lack of awareness and that self-hatred. Interesting. Even if you've had traumas, it's, it's kind of... I, it sounds like it's coming back to that place of self-love because even if you've had traumas or stressors or whatever, if you loved yourself more, were kinder to yourself, you would be better able to handle those. Is that kind of, yes. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, however, it does, it's easier said than done. So of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> life, life wouldn't be interesting if that, you know, that wasn't the case with everything. I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure it's probably individualistic when when it comes to helping people figure out how to be like kind to themselves. But can you give us like maybe a tip or something that somebody could start practicing today that would go in that direction? So like you say, it's a very, very individual thing because of, you know, whether it's trauma or at what level, 
you're kind of at with that that self-loathing um but self-love it, it really just comes down to being kind to yourself and if you wanted to start trying to be kinder to yourself when you bring that awareness and how you speak to yourself um i have a friend who's a, a life coach and she she always says that um when you say something to yourself like man you look so fat in that whatever um, would you say that to a friend? Would you say that to your sister? Would you say that to your best friend? Uh, you know, and start speaking to yourself like you're speaking to somebody that you love and that you wouldn't want to hurt their feelings and someone that you're trying to build up. Like if that was your kid, would you say that to your kid? You know, when you spill something or you break something, do you say, oh, you're such an idiot. You're so stupid. You know, would you say that to your kid? Would you be like, oh, we all make mistakes. Oh, I really love that thing, but it's just a thing. Um, you know, I'm really tired and it slipped out of my hands. Or, you know, it's 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 really just how we speak to ourselves. And I think the first thing that you can do to take yourself on a on a journey of healing and 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 health is to become aware of that language, that language that you use towards yourself, on yourself. Um, that that is really going to be something that you can do to start shifting your energy. The other thing that I always suggest, and it is the most difficult thing to do, so giving one easy thing and one difficult thing, is to start doing some mirror work. If you know who Louise Hay is, if you've ever read any of her books or watched anything about her, mirror work is magnificent. It is also incredibly difficult what's to do the, in the beginning. What's mirror work? So go and sit in front of the mirror. Put a timer on for five minutes and just look at yourself. Wow. I'm already like, oh God. <laughs> <Could not laughs> do that. I have hmm. people that want to break the mirror that get up after 10 seconds and be like, what the heck? I can't do that. Um, I hate myself. Like, look at this and look at that. And you'll, you know, you'll start. I mean, you know, for me, I have this birthmark on my, on my face and a lot of people like it. But I also used to get a lot of comments about it when I was a kid. You know, like, what is that? Is it a mole? Are you dirty? You know, like, you know, you know, things like that. And it's a, it's a birthmark. Like, what the freaking hell? I can't do anything about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I even had a, an elderly family member, a lady, say to me, oh, you know, I can show you how to use foundation to cover it up. And um, it's like, I've never been into makeup. Why would I want to cover it up? That's my skin. That's who I am, you know? And so we start noticing these things even more. Um and so doing that mirror work is difficult, but starting small. So start with 20 seconds, build up to 30 seconds, build up to 40 seconds. And as soon as you've done, journal a bit, write a bit about the anger that you felt, the frustration that you felt. Did you notice anything nice about yourself? And start, the more and more you do that, the more of that self-loathing will come out of you. The things that you start hating about, you, that you hate about yourself will come out onto the paper and you can journal about it and really work through it and start understanding that this is who you are and you don't have to see it in a negative light and start to to find ways to actually love yourself a little bit more and accept yourself for who you are. Right. I'm already feeling like resistance just listening to you talk about that. Yeah. So that's something it's, you know, it, it is a very difficult thing, but I can promise you if you commit to that and if you stay consistent to that, things will start to shift. Right. Because if you think about it, your face is the face you see the less of every day. Exactly. Because you're seeing other people and talking to other people. And, yeah. you know, unless you're super vain, you don't <laughs> hang out in front of the, you know, mirror constantly looking at yourself. But um, this isn't a vanity thing. This is like looking not just externally at yourself. And, and it sounds like to me, like it's not just external. You're looking at who is yeah. this person in front of yeah. me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to try that. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> please do. Please do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about food addictions, because when we first talked, you mentioned that you do work with people who primarily have like sugar addictions, or at least that's the most yeah. common one. So yeah. like, what, what yeah. can you say about being addicted to sugar? What's the one thing you wish everybody knew about sugar? That it keeps you addicted. That even just a little bit is going to make you want more, but that you don't have to quit eating sugar to be healthy. I often have people, I, I run a sugar course and I often have people thinking they need to go and empty their cupboards 
um, to be able to to be healthy. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, the there was a little thing that I found I wanted to read for you. But so it's from the movie Fed Up. I'm not sure if you've watched it, but whoever's listening, if you haven't watched it, go and watch it. I think it's on Netflix. Sugar, and, and this comes from there. So sugar is the new cigarettes. Sugar increases our insulin. Insulin increases our fat storage, and it's addictive. 93% of lab rats chose sugar water over cocaine. Wow. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, and it is almost understandable that we are all addicted to sugar, right? There's a part in the brain that lights up when someone does cocaine, whether it is snorting it or whether it is when they, you know, when you break your nose and the doctor's actually got to fix it, they actually put cocaine. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they used to back in the day. I don't know if they still do that. Wow. But they used to back in the day to, to, like, you know, fix it up for you. And when we eat sugar, so there's a certain part of the brain that lights up when we have cocaine or heroin. Sugar, Dr. Mark Hyman says, lights up that part like a freaking pinball machine. So it's actually activating that area even more than cocaine does. And that's why the rats are going and choosing sugar over cocaine. Um, I find I, I used to do a little bit of work with a place that helps uh, alcoholics, you know, after their rehab and integrate back into life and, and things like that. And often the alcoholic would become obese within a year because they replace the alcohol addiction with sugar addiction because sugar is the socially acceptable addiction and then they find themselves overweight and addicted to food so yeah but it is that it's almost understandable and expected that we are all um, addicted to sugar because we I mean if you think about how you were brought up you know, it is, oh, if you if you do this, I'll give you a chocolate or we can go get ice cream or you pass a, a difficult exam and it's like, yeah, exams are over, whatever it is. And, you know, you get taken out for ice cream or somebody dies and you get taken out for ice cream or you have cake or do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's just how we were, the, the sort of behavioral patterns that were instilled in us that is out of a, a reward or something bad. So basically any kind of emotion was followed through with sugar and so it's almost expected that we're going to find ourselves in this space of of addiction and unfortunately the food industry is a business they don't have health incentives for us they want their business to make money and if you think about it logistically like that they're just building a business they want to make money they want their business to be successful they want to employ more people and they want their revenues to be higher so they're putting ingredients into the food that makes us want more, right? And that is impacting our health negatively. And if we don't become aware of that, we're going to just be consuming and consuming and consuming and consuming and find ourselves in a very, very difficult position. That's, that's really scary when you think about it, actually. But you're right, like these businesses, they don't have a moral obligation at all to, to our health. It's really up to us to become aware and educated and make exactly. those choices in what we eat. But it is really scary because it, it's sugar is consumed on a mass level yeah. constantly, all the time in everything. And as when you said earlier that it's the socially acceptable addiction, that was like, oh, oh, oh yeah, it is. That's really <laughs> bad. <laughs> I was like, I haven't thought about it that way before. And it's like, that makes yeah. it like a hundred times worse. The fact that it's like, we know it's bad and it is bad, but it's, we've all given each other permission to have it, which is actually yeah. worse. Like, makes and, it worse. And the difficult thing that I actually found going on this route was when I first started using sugar as my connection point, you know, because to tell somebody that they need to make changes because they're going to develop something called dementia at the age of 75 when they're 25 is a really difficult conversation. Yeah. To have, right. There's right. just no kind of reality or connection or relatability there. And so I, I, I found that I could make a, a difference by bringing sugar into the conversation and saying, Hey, this is the thing that's impacting your health negatively. This is what it's doing to your brain. And this is what's going to happen to you by the time you're 75. Should you continue on this path? When I started having those conversations, when I started behaving differently, when I started eating differently, the negativity, the backlash that came my way, because this is the socially acceptable way to behave, 
now I'm doing different to that. And it's like, what's wrong with you? Do you think you're better than us? And, you know, kind of having to navigate that avenue and say, no, let's help everyone educate themselves and let's help us. These are nice things. Yes, we're not trying to live a difficult life or we're not trying to restrict ourselves um, or be, you know, mean to ourselves in a way. Um, it's about educating ourselves. Yeah. And I would say it's it's about being nice to yourself, actually. <laughs> the fact that you are realizing yes. this and um, changing things. So, yeah. And that's also scary that people are, if you even even when you're pointing out that this is this is technically an addiction and all the bad health effects and people still back take backlash at that. That's also, it's even more frightening because it's like people are willing to defend this type of addiction. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so what kind of diet would you recommend for people? Again, this is probably individualized per person. <laughs> I'm asking general and at the same time, deep questions, but well, I guess what's your own diet? Like, what do you typically um, stick to on a daily basis and what, what could you recommend other people could do as well? To stick to? Yeah. So, so look from a, from an individual perspective, understand that it is a slow and steady process from moving from a, a heavily processed diet to a, what we consider a healthy diet, right? Okay, so keeping that in mind. You can't do this overnight. You shouldn't do it overnight because you're not going to succeed at it, okay? Um, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to go keto and you go keto overnight and then three weeks later, you're, whoa, why did I do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but my recommendation and what I do is just eat real food. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that seems so, sounds so food. obvious, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't eat anything that comes out of a box. Don't think eat anything that comes out of plastic packaging. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be as extreme as that. I eat things that come out of packaging, you know, um, but read your labels, read your labels, understand what is being put in that product. Um, we live really busy lives, you know, here in 2022, going into 2023. And it is about convenience. And that is why the, the processed food sort of industry has, you know, summited if I can say, because we, we need to live a life of convenience, um, but you need to make it convenient for you and you need to make it convenient for your future. And the best way that you're going to do that is know what you are eating. So eat real food the, the most that you can, home cooked, um, because even if you're eating at a restaurant, you don't really know what they're putting in those sauces. You don't know where they're getting their foods from. You don't know how they're growing their food or um, where they get their meat from that kind of thing i'm not saying you've got to be vegan and plant-based that's great um but it's not the be all and end all for your health um i'm, I'm just about finding a medium I, I am a vegetarian but i i try to grow as much as i can in my own house and i try to eat as much of that or i try to you know source sort of local farms and, and find the fruit and veg from there rather than from your local you know sort of I don't know what you guys call it, but we call it like, you know, grocery stores and department stores, um, supermarkets. And just kind of even if you have to do that is to make sure you wash your food properly. Um, you know, you, you can't be perfect. So it's just doing the best that you can with what you have available to you and making sure that you're eating as much fresh food as possible. Yes. Shop local at farmer's markets and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is not which is not available to everybody. Right? Yeah, right. Um, you know, if you if you live in like especially here and I'm based in South Africa, if you live in a in a very busy sort of CBD area or city area, you don't have access to, to a lot of farmers markets. You've got to do like quite a drive to get there. If you've got four kids and you work a corporate job, it's not something that's on your you know immediate immediate radar really. I, yeah, yeah. So in um, that case, so do the best you can. Yeah. yeah, okay. Wash your vegetables properly. Make sure you you know chuck some apple cider vinegar in that you know bowl of water put all the veggies in there make sure the pesticides you know you're getting rid of it as best you can um simple things and i mean youtube is a you know, there's a plethora of information there go and watch some stuff find some good people to follow um you know and and, and learn little tools and tricks to to make your your body healthy right yeah take take an interest because it's true what they say what you you are what you eat yes 100 percent yeah all right um we'll have to wrap things up now so i'm just wanting to I'm, I'm hoping you can share with our audience where can people find you online if they'd like to work with you or learn more and did you have any offers or 
any announcements coming up that you want to share about anything? Sure. So I go as Holistic Mimi. And so my website is holisticmimi.com. Um, so you can find me there and um, access to everything that I do. I'm on Instagram as holistic underscore Mimi. Um, and on Facebook, I have a Facebook group, a private group that I run where I share free trainings and recipes and just a lot of fun and, and really understanding that you can improvise and you don't have to be perfect. Um, and that is Healthy Habits with Holistic Mimi. Um so it is just about being simple and, and calm about it all. Slow and steady is my vibe. Um, and then I have my uh, Sugar Crash program that I've been running for two years. It's, it's generally a small, manageable group of women that come in and it's a six-week program to help you sort of navigate towards making better choices. It's not just about quitting sugar. It really is about everything in your life. Um, but it is about crushing your addiction to sugar, your habits of sugar. So not quitting at all. Um, and the next group for that starts on 6th of Feb. It's a Monday, so I think it's the 6th. Um, starts on 6th of Feb, but I'm open for you to book your slot because we're just finishing off the last round of this year um, now, next week. And yeah, one-on-one -on -one coaching, you can contact me via my website or Instagram or Facebook. Just pop me a message. Um, I'm pretty active on my Instagram, but yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell and where you can get me. <laughs> Great. All the links yeah. for that will be in the show notes. Um, my, my last question for you, which I ask all my guests and given your, your relationship to printmaking and art and then health and finding new ways to be healthy, what advice can you give our listeners for living a wild, creative life? Let's be true to yourself. Take the time to know who you are and know who you want to be and be true to yourself. And the most amazing things will just come out of that. Yeah. And do your mirror work. <laughs> and do your mirror work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Definitely. thank you. Thank you so much, Mary. This was a really good talk. Thanks, Emma. And I'm so excited for people to hear it. Yeah. Thanks for the time. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I hope something resonated with you today during my conversation with Mayuri. I know I certainly learned a lot. Be sure to check out the show notes for how to get a hold of her if you're interested. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe and follow, share to keep up with new episodes. Or you can now join my Patreon to show support for the show. Just go to patreon.com slash emmakivetna. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for future episodes, please email me at emmakivetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative. <laughs>